From Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Hello all, I'm your host Chris Pace, joined once again by Immersive Labs Chief Cyber Chap Max Vetter. Hello. Product Guy Paul Bentham. Hello. And finally, Threat Research Ninja Kev Breen. Hello. In these podcasts, we try to focus on the human side of cybersecurity with a bit of tech thrown in, social engineering, hacker motivations, cyber crisis scenarios, and more. And essentially, these podcasts come in two flavors, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types, or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. And this episode is one of the latter. Now, we're going to begin this week by looking at a story about... The CISSP, or CISP, which comes across very bad in audio because it's all S's and P's. But I'm going to say CISSP, which is a a security certification. I'm not going to call it a qualification. That's a debate we're probably going to have in a minute. Um, But what I thought it would be good to do um, is to find out from everyone, what is the certificate that we are most proud of? Uh, Kev. (laughs) Uh, the one I'm most proud of is a four-week cross-country military driving course. Uh, Paul, um, I thought I was going to do a joke one. Now you've made it like a proud thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is it, Paul? I, what is it? <laughs> well, I was going to say my Java certified programmer from 2004, <laughs> which I was very proud of at the time, but now is kind of a little bit out of date. Uh, um, no, really? 2004? Sounds like you could still do something with that. <laughs> uh, hang on, we're hang on. on lockdown. Uh, we're on lockdown, there's shortages of stuff. I'm going to say my degree from the University of Bristol. <laughs> Max. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, my B licence in skydiving, which means I've done over 50 jumps. Or 50 60, jumps. 60, 64, to be precise. Let you in on a little uh, a little secret. Before we started recording, Kev said he had a license to kill that he had to renew every year. <laughs> when I was uh, serving in the military, we had to recertify every year um, on the ranges to say that we were correctly certified to be able to shoot and follow the card alpha. The legal did, they give you, did they give you a piece of paper for that? Uh, you had a piece of paper every year. We also had to do like sexual harassment training and all the other stuff as well. But the rain is way more exciting. <laughs> wow. Chris Pace, you've got. Hang on a second, everybody. Chris Pace hasn't talked about his favorite certificate. Oh, no. There's not even a competition. I am a certified grill master uh, with the Weber Grill Academy. Uh, which my wife bought me for my first Father's Day. So I know how to do like beer can chicken on a barbecue. Uh, we even did pizza on a barbecue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Not and, pizza. Yeah, pizza on a barbecue. Yeah, but is so it anyway, I'm very proud of my. Uh, wait, I always say way, but anyway, I'm very proud of my Grill Academy certificate. Uh, so all this is leading up to the fact that uh, essentially some examination body somewhere, and I can probably dig out the acronym of who it is, has said that basically doing a course in a nice hotel in the home counties basically now means that you know everything you'd ever need to know about information security, and it's as good as a master's. <laughs> mm. um, and so I guess that leads to questions about what actually is in a CISSP and What's it useful for? Why is it useful? Is it useful at all? I'm I'm sure everyone in the group has views. I should also caveat this by saying we're very aware that we work for a company that provides 
you know, a, a method for delivering cyber skills. So we're going to attempt to be as unbiased as possible. I'm not going to try to be unbiased. Okay. Well, because, I will attempt. Because I will attempt to bring the balance. Years to get my masters, so I'm gonna. That's the bar. Yeah. So it's just Somebody the time that it this... takes. So well, I. So I'm I'm I turned not... up. Not... It's a five-hour exam, so five hours. It took everybody <laughs> else. It took everybody else four years as well. Like it wasn't just me. I'm not like a remedial. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Twitter is pretty aflame about this. Um, people are mainly annoyed that you also have to keep paying for it. So there's a thing with CISSP yeah. where once you've done it, it costs you money to do it in the first place. And then every year you have to hand over money to someone to basically keep that certificate. Yeah. Well, you have to do another test well. every year. No, not another test. You just have to recertify it and then show you've got CPE what? credits, uh, which will allow you to recertify and pay money. Uh. So they just take money for, for nothing, basically. Um, but yeah, I turned up the first day of my CISP course, which is a five-day classroom course. And I, is I it in a nice in... hotel in the home counties? It wasn't. It was in a very nice building in London. But <laughs> I, I, I walked in the room and, and I said, oh, I think I'm in the wrong room because um, I, I literally did this thought, said, oh, I'm in the wrong room because there's no computers in this room and I'm here for my, my CISP course. <laughs> and the instructor was like, oh, no, there's no computers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I did an information security course. Uh, with no computers for five days, so that Mine... that gives you an idea of of the kind of what Mine was the same. Like. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait! I I have all manner of questions about this. So this thing, which is equivalent to a master's degree, okay, you get really to do not it. Really with <laughs> Being by, I'm, I'm not being cyber about this. I'm being masters ish. ish, ish about yeah, I think it. I like, think you're attacking the 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 equation to a masters rather than the system. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. So you do five days in a classroom, just blah 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 blah, cyber, 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 and that's a masters equivalent. Who has said this? There's a there's a big book as well. So I I did the very, same as, very... as Max. I um. Went went to the course, was a hotel out in the, the countryside somewhere, like all expenses paid, was great. Um, no laptops, like nothing, just reading this big, massive book. And it was 10 security domains back when I did that. And they went like, yeah, so the exam, you've got six months to take the exam. It's like five, five and a half hours. I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. Thank you. Well, the exam's five hours. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very long. Is it open book long. as well? Don't tell me it's open book. I don't know actually. I never, I never looked that closely into it because I was. Did you like... actually do it, Max? Did you do the exam? No, no, I didn't either because I, <laughs> I did, I did the course and then I got a job at Immersive Labs and I was like, well, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads to my next question. I sense that this is a certification that is potentially more useful for getting a job than actually doing one. Is it one of I those? I think so. And like, the only argument I'd say is if you're a practitioner, this is completely useless. If you're a manager who needs to understand, like you've got to bring risk to it, like maybe, but even then, I don't think I can justify it to myself. I'm trying. I'm I mean, trying. It's information, information security management principles. It does, it covers a lot of information as the five hour exam would, would also, suggest. Also, so, covers fire escapes. Yeah, and big doors <laughs> and gates. Is this and, one of those ones yeah. that people put on their like uh, thing on LinkedIn, where they'll be like, "I'm Everyone. Paul Bentham, yeah. anyone who's got it, put it on LinkedIn." Yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, so one of my favorite um, 
one of my favorite tweets uh, about this is, and I open quotes, cool, why get a master's degree when you can drop two grand on a five-day boot camp where they hand you the answers <laughs> and then invigilate the exam? I'm all set. Thanks, EU. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow they've made this Europe's fault, but I love the rest of the tweet. I love the rest of the I tweet. Think, um, and that, and that's, that's the problem, isn't it, with the, the cyber certifications is that you only do it for the certification. So if you don't get the certification, you're not a happy customer. CB so sift. Already, yeah. It's, it's all about the CB sift. So I've been doing some quick Googling here. Like this CISSP thing, it is closed book. You don't get to have your book with you whilst you do the exam. So that's the first. So you have to remember everything that you've oh, spent you, the yep, last you five have, years. You have yeah. a huge and amount of knowledge retained. Just wait a second here. You, you have, I've to have be, a good memory to pass. You've an exam, been hey, not... wait a minute. You guys have been misleading me. You need five years of cumulative paid work experience in two of the eight domains. Yeah, they do. They do. Well, you don't need that to get a master's. So there you are. Exactly. So that's harder than a master's. <laughs> you, can, you don't need to have done a job at all to get a master's. They do. They do do CV checks, but not like particularly hard. Like they, they'll say, have you? Have you been in the industry for? They they won't check it that that hard. I know lots of people who came for the course who were just like, yeah, I said I was in the industry, and they went okay. Um, so I don't think it's. You know. Oh wow, Max, are you claiming like large scale fraud? That's fraud. But he hasn't he hasn't told us anything by, about who's in the, the course. Which is very by smart the users, not by the uh, <laughs> the actual invigilators. <laughs> but I, sh- shall I tell you what I do with my sys book? And I, I actually does it prop up your desk? No, or? so. Is your laptop on top no. of our pressing? No, any any other guests? We could do yeah, this all night. <laughs> great game. What I use it for is it's downstairs by my lug burner. And I literally use it <laughs> to style. light a fire. It's the right, it's the perfect kind of I'm not, paper. I'm not kidding. That, that's, that's what it, it is. It sits by the fire yeah. and that's what I use, which <laughs> suggests that the book isn't hasn't been that useful for me since since the course said chief cyber officer max vetter <laughs> yeah i've found some more stuff out you can if you do yeah. have another certification uh from like loads of other like certified ethical hacker and all that stuff that counts for a year's work experience so basically if you do it just so that i'm clear about what you've just said if you do a load of other exams it qualifies you to do the exam to get a certification that proves that you've done that exam yeah that's i mean wow. i've only done a little bit of googling so worse. i might be a little but here's the thing right <laughs> those other exams that you can use to get a year's work experience they're open book uh, they also have cram right. and like we guarantee you will pass at the end of your course this is amazing i can't believe i spent tens of thousands of pounds to go to uni and i could have just done this <laughs> <laughs> just yeah this is the well that of course what that is essentially what the whole that's essentially what the whole of twitter is saying is lots of people who've done masters and some people who've done masters in cyber security specific um domains are a little bit upset <laughs> that now they're ba- essentially being but, told you can just pay for this and it covers well, we you. don't know which masters it's comparing though they, 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 i think you can do a masters in surfing so it might be comparing <laughs> to, to you know a really useless masters <laughs> How much does this thing cost? How much? I mean, how much we pay? How much you have to pay for it? Depends whether you, the boot camp's about five grand, I think. No, no, no. The yeah. the annual thing to keep it because that's the other ridiculous thing. I've oh, got my certificate yeah. and I've got it forever. I, I have to pay every year for this thing. It's a few hundred quid. 
it's yeah. it's not it's break the bank money, but it's still whoa, oh, whoa, 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 privilege boy. That's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Check your privilege. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I think it's $125 a do, year. Do, um, yeah. Kev, do you know or anyone else know, do people stay certified? Because I, I was thinking about doing the exam. If I would have done the exam, I, I wouldn't have paid every year even. You know, I've, I've got it. I put it on my CV. Who, do, do people so, check? So I actually, the reason for me going and attending is when I was leaving the army and doing that career transition out of military life into civilian life, a load of us went and did it literally just for the cv sift um and by the time i'd gone and done it i already had a job anyway so i was like that was a big driver for why bother and i know that some of the other people on the course with me didn't renew uh after they'd got their first job yeah loads of people don't renew. i mean one um one tweet that i quote regularly and it's not actually off the back of this it was from uh, another they were raising basically gripes about having to pay to renew it um was i feel like my career is being held hostage by a piece of paper i think people That's because there sad. are so many well because of the cv sift thing yeah. he's he, like kev's right there are so many um like there are so many bits of machinery that are looking to sift through. And again, we're, we were trying not to be biased, but there are so many bits of machinery these days, uh, you know, AI things that are looking to sift through CVs to identify people who are right for roles or not. The HR part of the part of end of the recruitment process, um, that having stuff like this missing from your CV when you apply for a role at a particular level becomes extremely difficult. So I think my biggest gripe, other than the fact that it's possibly useless, is that that whole paying to renew every year with CPE credits, the whole point of a certification is to prove that you know a thing. And this is the same for SANS courses. You have to pay to renew and you pay to renew by doing some other SANS course or some other course. Like the certification is supposed to prove that you know this skill set. Doing some other course and then paying, I haven't learned, I haven't refreshed. I'm not proving anything. It's literally just a way for them to make money. It's not continuous development. The game that we're in um, is constantly changing. So therefore, that big book that you've got, Max, if you weren't burning it every night, um, how much of it is, you know, how much of it do you think is still relevant? The irony is you could open that book in five years time and say, oh, hang on, turns out only the bits about the fire doors are still relevant. That was the whole point, right, of why immersive labs were set up in the first place was a way of assessing practical skills as a kind of counterpoint to the whole certification of 100 multiple choice questions or whatever where there's no actual practice skills used mm. although having said all this CISP is actually one of the better respected uh, certs out there in the cyber world which is then saying something you know after everything we've said it's still people still respect it more than a lot of the others okay so we're going to move on from this in a minute but i just had one thing that i wanted to say about that and i think that's because the the certification itself is used for the purposes of getting a promotion or another job or having your CV show the things that it needs to show on it. And I think that's totally different from um, gaining practical skills that help you with the job that you do every day. And I think that tension um, is what is actually causing problems with the, you know, to, to 
use the phrase skills gap. That's what's causing the problem there. It's it's not a skills gap, really. It's a perception gap. It is if I'm looking to recruit someone at a particular level and I'm looking for that certification every time and there might be really good people who don't have that certification, potentially for perfectly valid reasons, then I'm missing out on a whole whole load of talent that I could be that I could be using. So I think there is a there is a continual and perpetual tension between what an organization thinks they need in terms of a person for a job versus the actual skills that that person has to sit at a desk and do that job. Yeah, I um I ran a few roundtables late last year in, in in over in the US and with various different CISOs and I asked that question about well what do you use certs for and actually what they all said was none of them said they recruit through certs anymore but what they do use them for is um job satisfaction so you know if you do really well we'll send you on a cert so it's kind of like they they were all saying they flipped it they didn't use it to recruit they used it then to uh keep people happy happy basically the training's valuable at the time especially if you're doing like technical certifications uh it's the aging of it that that doesn't do very well and that's why i don't like um that pay to renew Great. Right. On to the next thing. So talking about um, talking about the value of getting hands on with stuff. Um, some of you may have heard about uh, vulnerabilities in SaltStack that were uncovered maybe uh, a week and a half ago. Um, and Kev's just going to take a bit of time to talk to us about what those vulnerabilities were all about. What did they find? What's happened? Why is everyone so frantic about it? So this was F- So let me roll back a bit. So SaltStack is a um, is a tech stack which is used for like orchestration uh, across organizations. So you use it to build machines to control them, to do distributed installations um, and that kind of stuff. And it's very, very powerful. Uh, the idea being you have one master uh, which administrators will issue commands to and then those get pushed out to all of its minions. Um, so if you're running a fleet of web servers, you can use one thing to control them all instead of doing it all separately. So that's the principle of SaltStack. Um, it's really big. It's used a lot. Um, and F-Secure, um, they were looking at this and they discovered a vulnerability in the master. Uh, and this vulnerability is basically an authentication bypass. So as an unauthenticated user, uh, I can access your master remotely and I can issue commands which will run either on the master or on every single minion that's connected to it. Wow, that sounds quite bad. That's pretty bad. Um, and uh, F-Secure did the right thing. So they worked with SaltStack um, to do the responsible disclosure. They took their time over it. Um, they released all the patches. And then when the patches were out, then they came out and said, hey, this is the thing that's happened. And what F-Secure did is they said that they're not releasing any proof of concept. So they're not releasing any scripts that teach people how to do this. Um, but what they did say was that any competent hacker should be able to replicate their research uh, within 24 hours. Um, and this was, I want to say, late in the day on a Friday. Um, and I, I decided that I had nothing else to do during lockdown. So I was going to take this as a personal challenge. Um, so um, dug into the technical notes that they had released, looked at the SaltStack's open source, so had to look at their GitHub. And after a couple of hours, I'd figured out where the floor lay, uh, how to replicate it, and generated a, a POC for myself to use. 
and that was all fun. And I think about, I think about the same time, um, we were starting to see stuff going on. So whilst you were doing that, obviously other people. Uh, yeah. Well. So it was a, a little bit after that. So once I'd got a POC working, and this was somewhere around ten, like eleven o'clock into the evening. Um, I was like, I wonder if other people have done this more specifically. I wonder if any like attackers or a, a groups have picked this up because they're usually fairly quick to pick this up. Uh, so what I decided to do uh, was see if I could build myself a honeypot. Um, I'd learnt enough about SaltStack and all the communications, uh, how it expected and set responses. So uh, I took the next hour or so to build um, a honeypot. Uh, and then deployed that out across uh, a couple of EC2 honeypots that I run. So one in London, uh, I put one in Ireland, uh, and a couple over in the US covering the two different coasts. Uh, set them off running, checked they worked, and then went to bed. Uh, then I woke up in the morning um, and found that some of the internet was on fire. Um, checked my honeypot logs, uh, and that matched what other people were saying. So at about half past one uh, in Saturday morning, uh, an attack group um, had reversed engineered it this in a similar way I had, uh, and they were distributing uh, Bitcoin miner, uh, not Bitcoin miner, a uh, uh, a cryptocurrency miner, uh, XMR, I think it was. Why? I, okay, so it's all cool up to that point, <laughs> and I'm expecting you to say at that point they unleashed some exploit kit that is like virtually undetectable and the whole world collapsed and tons of people got their information stolen and it's the worst breach ever. Um, but instead you're like, and then they having <laughs> reverse engineered something that exploited this pretty uh, like widespread vulnerability. They then did crypto mining. <laughs> I don't understand. Am I missing something about crypto mining? Like, Cryptocurrency is incredibly volatile. A, cryptocurrency is incredibly volatile anyway. So you don't, like, one day you could earn, like, 30% less than you <laughs> earned the day before. And B, like, is that it? Is that the best, is that the best they it's can really, do? It's really, like, if you were, uh, so once that came out, um, people started putting out the fires, and then we started getting reports of some larger organizations that had been hit. And one of them was DigiCert. So DigiCert confirmed uh, that they'd been hit by the same um attacker it was the same crypto miner did you have some very very sensitive data that the attackers just weren't even attempting to look for um so they could i love this they could have had i love this they could have had something really significant but um they're crypto miner and worse than that they they're not this is fully automated so like every three my honeypots are still running like every two or three hours this thing runs the exact same attack across the entire internet just on repeat sending the malware every now and again they'll change the ip addresses but you can completely track this group uh just why hasn't it been shut down uh did did you say did did you say describe it as an advanced persistent <laughs> <laughs> why hasn't it been shut down kev this is a couple of weeks later, isn't it, right? So it's obvious where this is coming from. It's not obfuscated, presumably. It's not, like, rooted through, like, multiple different geographic regions. It's not coming from, like... Uh, I don't want to get into the whole attribution piece, but the IP addresses and domain names, they're all coming from Russia at the minute. Um, so, and yes. we know that Russia tends to use... Uh, Russian actors, they tend to use things like what they call bulletproof hosting, so stuff that can't get taken down easily. 
um, for exactly these reasons. And we are seeing them constantly switching up their infrastructure. Uh, it's a distributed attack. There's not a lot you can do other than obviously patch, patch, patch. Is there any analysis done on how much money they might have made through these crypto miners? Because clearly they, it's worth it for them to continue. Well, it's only worth it at a mass, on a massive scale, isn't it? And that's that's, that's the re, that's the reality. That's the nice thing about this because they they were never targeting. There's two parts of the attack. One is you can either target the salt master and gain full control, or you can set commands to run on all the connected minions. And that's what they were triggering. They weren't going after the master. They were looking at running their crypto miner on everything that the master was controlling, just to hit that really widespread. Uh, number of devices interesting uh, aside here uh, because i was reading a lot about this uh, over the last couple of days um salt stack started targeting me with advertising in social media <laughs> on websites and i i was like oh i don't i, I don't think you've understood why i'm googling you <laughs> this is all, i don't want to buy awkward. it i don't want to buy it <laughs> I, I definitely don't want to buy it so the the other thing that salt stack did and i'm not quite sure how i feel about this um is so we we built a POC, we built the labs around it, and we waited a few days um, for like other people to publish research, for it to become like more public knowledge, and then we released as well alongside all those other people. Uh, Saltstack then went round and asked all the researchers to pull their POCs. Uh, what directly? Directly, like they came to you directly. They came. And said, they came to us directly. Uh, they wow. read, they went onto our GitHub accounts. They opened an issue asking us to basically embargo them until the 15th of May was their request. Uh, Is that normal? Absolutely not. Um, especially when you consider that this is actively being exploited in the wild and people are sharing all the indicators. And if you share the indicators, you automatically know the threat vector. So it's a really weird thing for them to say it's fine for the attackers to have it, but researchers absolutely not yeah it feels to me like if you're on the right forum with the right other russian people you probably you're probably sharing this around anyway so what di what difference does it make at this point a sophisticated attack group is running with this um whilst i accept that putting that poc uh into the hands of like script kiddies um but mm. they're not going to be able to leverage the infrastructure to be able to run like really targeted and widespread campaigns it's always a fine line between when do you release a POC and how much time do you wait, but I think they might have got that one wrong. So with the, I mean, Kevin, just on this question about why did you search just all crypto miners, you are in source code though, aren't you? I mean, if I, if I was, you know, looking at this from a risk and threat modeling perspective, the attacker compromises one of my minions and gets it to run any arbitrary code on those minions, are we... Worry that like, surely we're assuming those minions are, are isolated from the rest of the sensitive data in the in the company. That's entirely dependent on what you're or what you're orchestrating. Um, they might be your production servers, which are building and releasing new certificates. Um, they could be releasing new software. They could have builds. They could have sensitive encryption keys. There's a lot of data that could be on there. But conversely, you're right. It might be something, those minions might be something really innocuous, like temporary test builds, which are spun up by a, a minion. So that is something that, as an organization, you'll have to do your individual use cases to determine your own risk. So to me, all that stuff is super interesting, obviously, but I still love the fact that the best they could do was crypto mining and i think it's just classic and that in a way it's classic of the whole like oh my god it's a terrible threat like information security like everything's at risk and then it's like oh they deployed a crypto miner 
And this isn't the first time we've seen this. If we look back to uh, Blue Keep, so Blue Keep was forewarned that this thing is going to be massive. It's going to burn the internet down, like wanna cry levels of, of pain. Uh, and the Metasploit released the module after nobody did anything for months and somebody deployed the Metasploit module en masse to deliver cryptocurrency miners. <laughs> I feel like the, that's the like the lowest bar of entry. But I love the fact that it's on a knife edge, so basically tomorrow they could deploy some horrible bit of ransomware. So we'll all look forward to that. I think the rationale uh, was that there was so much warning given out uh, that that's the only attack group that was left. Like nobody else figured it was useful to do anything with it except for those um, those cryptocurrency miners. Uh, although the same can't be said for the salt stack one because it was within 24 hours we were seeing live attacks out in the world. So Kev, I'm guessing at this point now you want to talk about some work you've done. Oh, actually, we should let Paul. Maybe we should let Paul. I don't know. And now a word from our sponsors. It's up for grabs now. Way well, well, I mean, it's, it feels a bit bad that I would take credit here because I have done literally nothing. In fact, <laughs> I haven't even done the lab. Kev has written labs on this. So if you really want to learn more about Salt Stack, you want to understand how it's being exploited, you want to understand how it's being def- how to defend against it, head on over to Light Mode, uh, the Immersive Labs Light uh, Mode, and you can get hands on with these uh, these labs that Kev has spent hours of his life writing. Weekends. Four. Uh, the magic so word we for have free yes for free. oh yeah for free for free and also if you've paid for the platform you can also get access to them so that's great as well <laughs> we don't just have the labs uh we've got uh, a company in blog posts that go into more of the technical detail on both the offensive discovery methodology so the process i went through on how i identified how i reverse engineered the pains then stuff we went through and then from the defensive side uh we actually released a tool uh to help defenders uh analyze the binary log files that salt that generates so you can identify harm so essentially we've been I, all I, over I mean, this I've been all over yes. it. i mean obviously i knew all of that because i've read <laughs> both, both, both of those blog posts. Yes, they're, they're great Kevin. you did great thank great you great work great work uh, it was a lot of fun all right, Paul. Now Paul is up now, um, and he's going to talk to us Ooh. about he's going to talk to us about Thunderspy, um, which he has picked just because of the name. I'm sure, just because of the name. Convince me you haven't picked whoa, it just because whoa. of the name. I'm I'm actually an expert on direct memory access. <laughs> okay, well this is your moment then. Uh-huh. Then this we can have moment. a great conversation with you, Paul. <laughs> well, Paul, you look nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I think a bit of pee just came out. Are you all right, Paul? <laughs> I think you introduced this whole thing really badly, Chris. Oh, sorry. Because you have to say it properly. Wait, do I have to sing it like Shirley Bassey or something? <laughs> oh, no. That was, it wasn't Shirley Bassey, was it? It was Tom Jones, I think. Thunder Spy. Thunder Spy. I mean, it, uh, amazing. I mean, we talked about this before, or we'll talk about it in the future. I can't remember which. But the point is, Thunder Spy <laughs> is good, a great good. name for a, for a yeah. vulnerability. Isn't it? It's the best, right? And as a person that only joined the intelligence agency because he wanted to be James Bond, this is right up my street, Thunder Spy. Like, it's a James Bond. Isn't it a James Bond film? Thunderball. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. A future yeah. one. Oh, like can you imagine? <laughs> no, James Bond. They, no, the names are a the, bit more oblique. And the Thunder Spy. The names are a little bit more, like, uh, um, obtuse these days. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I hear you. I'm with you. You hit you with me, yeah, you with me, right? Okay, so, uh, so for those that haven't uh, spent literally minutes researching, this, <laughs> um... <laughs> literally whole minutes of my life, <laughs> whole minutes uh, in between lunch and my next meeting, the the 
the whole uh, exploit here is that um, it's an evil maid attack. <sighs> an evil maid. I think this is a bit sexist in 2020, <laughs> okay? But it's an evil maid attack. And, the, and it's the idea that if you can get access to a laptop that happens to be on or in the sleep mode so uh not just off and in a in a in a safe but actually on uh, and locked you can exploit it using a bit of a uh, kit that you've developed uh and direct access to it via the thunderbolt port which actually is the same as the usb-c now as well which i uh kev bail me out here yeah so uh there's another step you forgot to mention you also need a screwdriver in your, in, in your very the... in-depth research there's you a bit also... you forgot yeah. bit you well, you that, uh, <laughs> i was getting to that the a bit of physical equipment is quite in exciting because you have to actually change the flash on the thunderbolt controller on which you need physical access to by taking the cover off the laptop or the case off your PC, and you reprogram the flash to downgrade the Thunderbolt security. Yeah, so which is pretty cool, right? It, it is, and DMA attacks—they're they're nothing new. Like we've had a couple of these before. This isn't the first one for Thunder, uh, for Thunder, <laughs> uh, for Thunderbolt either. Uh, we had Thunder Clap um, last year. I, I I don't remember. What Thunder <laughs> Clap is a really bad brand. <laughs> Can I just say? <laughs> If I got Thunderclap, I'd be really worried. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's You take the back cover off, you attach a chip flasher, you flash the... Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to stop you there, Kev. This sounds beyond, beyond the capabilities of a maid. This, yeah, we're I'm not literally... You've got, you got to be... Like, it feels like you that need some sexy. level of certification. <laughs> you, you, need you need a, a CISSP to, to do this. <laughs> You need a maid to get you in the room, or you need a maid's card, or just be able to clone cards, or what? like kick down doors. Um, but the whole, the whole point about this, right, is literally you can do it in five minutes, right? And you can then bypass the whole point of the exploit is you get on there, you reprogram the flash, you then can downgrade the security on the Thunderbolt controller. Now you have direct memory access, which is really quite cool yes. because, like, and the whole point of Thunderbolt devices is that you can now, because you've got direct memory access, like if you were a PCI card, which then you can have external controllers, uh, which is why you can have external GPUs and that kind of thing, which is really super cool, right? Great technology. And then they realize these vulnerabilities in 2019. They put this kernel uh, DMA protection in, and all of a sudden, this whole thing is kind of moot. But in five minutes, with a lot of specific kits, some screwdrivers, and a laptop that's turned on, you can get uh, and you can download. This is the whole thing, right? Off an encrypted drive. It's which yeah, it's already it's already. I think the problem caveats. here is it does say like oh, you can decrypt a whole drive, and it's like you can't decrypt the whole drive. It's already decrypted, and you can pull off a RAM which has the decryption. Keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so because it's all. I've always wanted surely because physical attacks have have always been there, right? If you've got someone's laptop, yeah, you can do new. pretty much anything, and especially if it's on. I. Because I don't know if you, you know, have the, you have the you laptop. Can, you can literally pull the RAM out. Can't, have you seen the freezing ones where you, you freeze uh, you freeze the RAM, you pull attack. out the machine, and, and it keeps the RAM for 10 minutes? 
there's responder attacks where you can get the NTLM hashes by plugging in a USB stick, which then gives you the password. You can crack offline to then log in. Like these kind of attacks are nothing new. It's an it's a it's nice cool piece of research. Let yeah. me tell you, cool let, and it's a very cool name. But let me tell you, uh, I took it point. when I read about it. I took it especially seriously because me and my wife have just rewatched the Night Manager, which I realised is essentially a <laughs> mini series about sneaking in and out of other people's hotel rooms. And so when I read this, I was like, ah, oh, it's it's real. Like never put anything in a hotel safe ever again and also we've we all know because we've all read those articles online about there are loads of ways to hack hotel yeah. safes as yeah. well so even if you've put your laptop in the safe in sleep mode you're done for oh wait whoa, 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 whoa. all you have to do yeah turn the machine off. <laughs> ain't no one got I mean, ain't no one got time for that uh, <laughs> turning turn it off, off. I'll, I'll carry out that with you need full disk encryption because otherwise you could just turn it back on and you're essentially yeah, yeah. But, oh. but here's the point, right? Here's the real point, right? You're traveling. Let's say you're traveling because this is like a maid. So, um, I mean, is it the hotel room again? Is it the night manager again? But, see, but I'm just saying, right? You're traveling. Like, do you A, take your laptop with all of your company secrets and your customer information on, or do you B, take a burner? Who takes their real laptop when Not, they're traveling yeah. to a people. country but where it, somebody it, is going to No, they yeah, don't. Like, why, why bother with a whole new laptop? It's a real pain, isn't it, if you're in a businessman? Burner laptops. Like, I, don't, I, surely I don't, I don't you two of everybody I mean, take burner I, laptops I, when you travel. I do. I, take, I have my Chromebook, and my Chromebook is blank until I get to wherever I want to be. Then I set up whatever profiles right. I want. But And you take a burner phone as well, right? I don't do burner phones. I'm not that... I'm not that scared about privacy. What? My phone stays on my person. If I was going to Russia or China, maybe, but but, exactly. but I don't know any businessman yeah. who takes exactly burner, exactly takes yeah. burner. I was on all those like... trips to Russia and China that we go on. Yes, I was on a okay. I was on what a... about Israel? <laughs> well, definitely... I just I I just hate the fact I hate the fact that this is a good like 950 words on Forbes. I just hate the fact that that. Like and it's Intel confirms critical new security. <laughs> pro- Come on, Just like is this all we've got? I didn't read the for- It's not the Forbes article I've ever spent minutes researching. <laughs> I went straight back to Eindhoven <laughs> University okay, and read their research paper. As I've leapt to the media there, again. There is comments was... from a spook which says in a really. comment. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't they, me. Uh, you know they found the. Uh, I found the screws of the laptop on under their desk. So <laughs> it was an agent. It was an agent who said he came back to his came back to his hotel room and the screws I, were on I the. Think, de- I'm like, this, yeah. whoever did that is terrible <laughs> at espionage. Think, that that it, person is an total, awful, awful spy. A total true story. Uh, one time in a hotel room when I was abroad. Where's this work, going? Uh, my my <laughs> hair that I'd stuck with water across the gap fallen off. <laughs> <laughs> Someone probably came to turn you down. That is, I've seen, which is, a, which is an experience you're probably used to. I've seen that. I'm sure for my nephew, who bought spies for dummies, and that's yeah. <laughs> Bond yeah. quote. Come no on, stay with me. Somebody tell me which Bond film that's in. Oh, I don't know. With the with Come the. Come on. Uh, People. Sure not sci-fi. We're not all like you, you know, and Alan fun. Partridge with your Bond marathons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no you're taking me to a dark place at uni where people used to call me alan Park, right? <laughs> I walked into why. the common room walked into the common room one day and the whole of the people in the in, in the common room just went oh <laughs> so, so um, which bond film was it low point 
I can't actually. He's in the Caribbean. And Ke- and you yeah, know, that's why you, I needed you, Kev. Bail me out. You of know here. the other thing, Kev, is that the is that the um the guy being quoted on this, the advice that he's given, the mitigation, like oh, the mitigation is difficult unless you're in the game. You know, take a burn device with you and all this. And Kev has just told us in two really clear and easy steps how to mitigate against it. But this article's too busy, like spies, evil maids, people breaking into your hotel room, pew pew pew. Yeah, so so mitigations against this. One, don't use an operating system from before 2019 that's three years old. Two, don't let people disassemble your device. Uh, It's a brilliant (laughs) And three, like full disk encryption, turn it off when you're done. Can I give another? Can I give another amazing bit of mitigation? Uh, do not let your device with all of your stuff on it out <laughs> of your sight, especially if you've got significant but, secrets. Yeah, or or take yeah, a burner everywhere. Keep, a burner, Doctor No. By the way, it's Doctor, Doctor no. no. I'm quoting Doctor, Doctor no. no. I think you know keeping keeping up to date having a backup and encryption for this encryption uh, this isn't this isn't the first time i think we've ever it won't be the last either advice. boring you know you're going to tell me to patch <laughs> but yeah update your operating system hey do i get one of those certificates that i can pay for for that advice <laughs> yeah. you're an expert now I, i've got a towel i got a towel i can sew them into <laughs> <laughs> one on each cheek of your trunks yeah <laughs> all right we crammed a lot into quite a short period of time uh i guess what have we learned what have we learned don't let uh you know make sure you're certified so that you don't let an evil maid put cryptocurrency mining software on your laptop anyway if you've enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe rate and comment wherever you get your audio content and if you want to know more about immersive labs including accessing uh, those free labs on light mode you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on twitter at immersive labs uk until next time from all of us goodbye goodbye Goodbye. Bye.